previously on the Soundless Serial. There are three passages from here on out. You guys walk 40 feet ahead. When you guys notice something unexpected, there is a chasm on this hallway. Me and Thorn are gonna do a watch. Be careful with Thorn. He's been a bit unpredictable lately since the Marquis came back into his life. I have a weird plan to sort of learn more about the Marquis and maybe what we can do to help Thorn. Methuselah, was it? Yes, that's my name. Tell me, do you want to have fun with me too? Yes, I suppose so. And then it's giant eyes. One faces Mortis, another one faces Seeker, and then a third one appears to look at Erky. I think I'll have fun with them instead. No, no, you can't. No, don't hurt them. I guess I'll have to wait to play. <laughs> Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descend into the dungeon, or is there a darker calamity taking root far from the sun's reach? Methuselah approaches Mortis, and what do you do? I just gingerly poke Mortis. Uh, what? Oh, uh, hi, Methuselah. What, what's the matter? Everything all right? I've got a lot to talk to you about on the watch. You and Seeker as well. Okay. He glances over at where Thorn is. And Thorn is safely asleep, except for one little frame. A wide smile showing teeth and fangs that is unbecoming of someone so deep in their sleep. In the middle of the darkness of this tunnel, you guys finally prepare to have your long-awaited watch. The three of you who have just been recently woken up. You guys sit down together. I suppose I should catch Seeker up as well on what we've been plotting. You know about Thorn's patron? Yeah, I kind of remember a little bit. Probably not as much as you guys know, but I do know that his patron is not a good guy. Yes, and we were trying to see what we could learn about this patron. I had the idea of making a, a deal with it in some capacity to learn what Thorn sees and what attracts Thorn to such an entity. And how do you propose we would create this type of deal? Well, I did try on my own. I, I didn't want to endanger any of you because I, I don't trust this entity, so I didn't think it was right to put either of you in danger by doing this, but I did learn that I can't be the one to do it. Well, I don't think that it will be a good idea. I know it's going to have to be one of us that does this, but 
I, I don't know. Is there is there no other way that we can go about doing this? I don't think this entity works any other way. The Marquis is drawn to deals. It, it's sort of a fey thing. So if we want to help Thorn and find a way to distance our friend from this terrible being, I think we need to play the game, as the Marquis would say. I agree with Seeker that it is risky, but if it helps Thorn, I suppose we have no other choice. Yeah, I, I'd already do anything for you guys. And as much as I like games, I, I do not like Thorn's patrons. What else did he say? You said you, that you can't do it, Methuselah? Why, why is that? I'm not sure. It, it was very strange. I got to see the Marquis fully, as they are, and we almost made the deal. But then there was this sort of wave of darkness, and then the Marquis didn't want anything to do with me. It was as if something else had a claim over me. I don't know what it is, or what it means by it, but it's what it is, so I, I can't be as much help as I'd like to be. Well, don't beat yourself up. These patron types can often be fickle and strange in their dealings. What sort of deal do you think we would have to go through with in order to help Thor? They are fickle in how they make their deals, and this one seems to like causing pain in return for happiness, or at least an illusion of happiness, a chance to forget things that are bad. So you're saying whoever enters this deal would likely be subject to a great deal of pain? Yes, that's why I didn't want to involve either of you. I thought that I could handle that on my own. I've dealt with quite a lot of pain in my short life. I don't know if either of you are interested in doing this, but I think it might be one of the ways we can learn more so that we can help Thorn. Well, I don't mean to impose, but Thorn is my responsibility. If anyone is going to make this sacrifice, it will be me. I suppose that's fair, and you are much stronger than I am, so if anyone's to do it, I believe it's you. We shall see. I have faced much pain in my journeys, but I've yet to enter a deal with a malevolent fey creature. And I think you've done an admirable job of handling all that pain, Mortis. You've been through things that I couldn't imagine, and you come out of it a better person, I think. That means a lot, my friend. And how have you been doing as of late? I know Thorn has changed a little bit over the past few hours. Is everything alright on your end? I will admit, uh, I have been frustrated. I want Thorn to see things my way, to understand that this creature that claims to help him is destroying him from the inside. Uh, sometimes I don't know which Thorn I'm speaking to anymore, but I am determined to see this through. For as long as I am here, no harm will come to him. It is quite noble. What must I do to complete this deal? The best way to go about it would probably entertaining Thorn and playing a game with him and the Marquis. The Marquis does like games. Well, I suppose I can entertain that. I've played enough games as of late. Would you recommend that I do this during a moment of calm or perhaps at a later point? I would definitely recommend a moment of calm. We've seen what the Marquis can do in desperate times, so the less people the Marquis can hurt, the better. I know we're doing a lot of guessing here, but in theory, do you think it would be possible to commune with the Marquis while Thorn is unconscious? 
It might be possible. I have seen Thorn use their spell book to communicate with the Marquis. If you got a hold of it, I suppose you'd also maybe be able to communicate? But it is a fae, so I can't imagine it's something that's just bound to Thorn, like they're the same person. Perhaps if I simply asked Thorn if I could speak with the Marquis, that would suffice. He does believe it to be his friend, and if I went about it that way, the whole thing would feel less duplicitous on my end. I I don't want to, you know, force Thorn into doing something that he doesn't want. Of course, in the end of it all, it's going to have to be Thorn's decision to break away from the Marquis, but if we can, in some way, help facilitate that, I'm sure it'll be better off. We are in desperate times, my friends. I fear that if we don't remove this entity from Thorn, then he will become a greater danger, not just to himself, but to everyone. I'm wondering, when we get Thorn free of the Marquis' influence, is he still gonna be the same fun-loving Thorn that we all love? I think so. I don't think that he changed so drastically. I mean, who Thorn is, is Thorn through and through. Both, you know, the chaotic and the more composed Thorn that we've seen. So maybe he changed a bit in understanding what happened, maybe accepting it, hopefully. But I think Thorn will always be Thorn, and I'm happy that Thorn is the way that they are. In my view, if Thorn must change somewhat to have this creature separated from him, then so be it. As Methuselah says, Thorn is Thorn, and in the end, as long as he's safe, nothing else would matter. I agree. I think this is what's best, and Mortis, you do a really great job of looking after him. I'm starting to believe that less and less as the days go on, but we shall see what happens after I enter this deal with the Marquis. As youngins age, they do change a little bit, and they start to do things that their elders might not approve of quite as much. I think we probably all went through that when we were little. And, you know, working with the other tabaxi at the temple, especially the the younger tabaxi, watching them grow up, it they can become a handful. I've never had children of my own, but I've, I've witnessed this back in Lestri. Uh, children are fickle, but they have the potential to be the best of us. In the middle of this conversation, Seeker, Your ears just perks up towards the direction of the door in the far end. His footsteps are approaching. Hey guys, uh, I heard something. What did you hear? Well, it, uh, it came from the direction of the door. I don't know what we should do, but I would say maybe have York ready and Seeker's gonna pull one of their daggers and hold it. You can hear in the distance that the door is being interacted with. I'm going to immediately have my hands fly over and just push against it and try to hold as best I can. Do for me a dexterity check. Let's see if you're faster than whatever is on the other side. Dirty 20. You pretty much launch your ethereal hand towards the door. It flies until it does hold the handle of the door stagnant. And you do feel the pressure of it trying to move. It's funny because I imagine in this moment them being those sticky hands that you eat things at, you know? 
Tortoise is going to trudge forward around to where Methuselah is standing, one hand on his greatsword, the other hand holding the torch, and he's just standing at the ready. Shall we go investigate and see if we can see what's up there? I don't think we can. I think the person is right beside the door trying to get in. Let's do a contested strength check. I got a natural 20. At this point, your ethereal hand is grasping the door tightly. You feel the pressure of the handle twisting. With everything you have, you keep focused so that your ethereal hand is able to withstand the pressure. You know that your hands are not meant for this, but right now, it's everything that you want is to make sure that they are strong enough to keep the door shut. A few more moments of pressure, you think you're gonna start to sweat. You don't know if you can sweat. And then, the handle stops. You don't know if the presence on the other side is still there. But for a few momentary seconds, there's just silence. Well, that was a close call, wasn't it? Yes, uh, I'd say so. Uh, I think we should probably bar that door. Would you mind, Seeker? Uh, yeah, I, I can I can do that. It seems that we're running into a lot more dangers down here the farther we go. D- do you think that means we're on the right track? I hope so. As Seeker approaches the door, they tie up the handle and fixates a dagger in between the cobblestone to bar the door. They hear footsteps going away from the door. Uh, whatever it was, it's it's going away now. As this moment of adrenaline starts to slow down, Seeker starts to feel a wave of exhaustion wash over them. I think I might need a little bit of a rest. I don't know. Uh, I'm not usually... I don't usually get tired like this. Seeker, you look back to see if Methuselah interacts in some way. And instead, you notice that you're not the only one tired. Mortis is sound asleep, sitting up, almost like one of those older and fellow Tabatsi from Tom's Rest. Does Methuselah feel any tiredness at all? I would say that your dead body does not feel any exhaustion. You were concerned with the door, and you exerted yourself with the door, but aside from that, there's no overall tiredness bearing over Methuselah. If you don't mind, Seeker, we could sort of finish our own watch. Well, yeah, I think that would be a good idea. And then I don't mind taking the rest of the hours alone. Arky speaks up. No, no, I'll do that watch then with you. Yes, I suppose. Mortis, Thorn, and Arky starts to head to sleep, while the two of you may do your perception check to continue your watch. A 16. I got a 10. The darkness envelops all of you guys. As the quiet watch proceeds. Well, I'm happy that we got this time alone, Seeker. Oh, I am too. I love hanging out with you, Methuselah. I was actually wondering if I could talk to you about something. Just a little thing that was on my mind ever since the fight with the goblins. Well, this is sounding ominous, but continue. I guess the only way I can sort of explain it is through a story. Do you mind? Oh, I love hearing your stories, Methuselah. Continue. It was actually a story that I heard from a close friend of mine in Chrysanthas. He was a, uh, a half-orc, and his mother came from the Isles of a Hindgard. I don't know if you've ever heard of those islands. They are sort of close to where Sentry Soul is. I am not certain if it's close to Tom's Rest. I've never been there myself. 
I can't say I have, but tell me more. Oh, you're very, very lucky to have never heard of the Orcs of Heimgard. They tend to raid a lot of the northern part of Sentry Soul and Sentry as well. But anyway, I, I digress. This story, it was told by my friend's mother who tended to visit from time to time. In secret, of course, because orcs aren't so welcome in the halfling villages. The story was of a group of hunting dogs and a hunter. They had a farm and they protected the other animals that were there. Now, one of the hunting dogs gave birth to a litter of puppies. Unfortunately, the winter was harsh and all the puppies died but one. The mother took great care in tending to this one pup. But then one day, the hunter called for the dogs to go out on a hunt to chase a terrible, terrible boar that had been ruining their crops and attacking the animals. Bigger than any boar they had ever known. A monstrous creature that could tear things apart with its tusks. And it had dark, coarse fur and red eyes. And it haunted the misty mornings of the isles. Now the dogs went out and tried to find this great boar, but... Unfortunately, they met with a terrible end, and the pup's mother died in the hunt. Now, when the pup heard this, he was very sad and filled with anger that such a monster could do such terrible things. So the pup left the farm and went in search of the boar. Luckily, or unluckily, he found it, and he told the boar that he wanted to fight. He wanted to challenge the boar to the death. The boar laughed, of course, because it was a much bigger creature, and the boar said, I will not fight you. You are but a pitiful thing, and to do so would be disrespectful. The pup then said, All right then, I want you to train me. Teach me your ways so that I can one day fight you. And the boar, quite amused, agreed. So the boar taught the pup to fight, to fill itself with anger and strife, and attack anything that it saw as an enemy. It worked the pup with hard labor and fighting and brutal days and nights of just training. The pup hardly had any time to rest, but in the time, it became much stronger. It grew into a true hunting dog with dark black fur, coarse and hard to the touch. These huge ears and flat face with red eyes and sharp fangs and claws. It was quite a creature. As the dog was going about its usual routines of the day, it returned to the den that it shared with Boar and found him gone. He went looking and found the boar at the farm where he had grown up, once again attacking the creatures there. Enraged, the dog attacked the boar and savagely ripped it apart. It finally got its revenge on the creature that had taken everything from it. But when the dog came back to the farm to return to its family, the dogs did not recognize it. They called it a wolf. And so the dogs chased the wolf from their farm. And unfortunately, the wolf was driven to the edges of a cave. And there it lived, ostracized from the only family it knew, without even the boar to keep it company. So that's the tale. Methuselah, that's a, that's a really sad tale. Yes, but there is a lot of truth in it. It teaches that revenge is not a good path. It can change a person into something more monstrous than they could have ever imagined. And these changes often go unseen. I suppose you're right. And can I hazard a guess as to why you told me this story? If you would like. Is Thorn the pup? 
actually, uh, you won't really believe this, and I'm sorry if this offends, but you're the pup. Uh, oh. Go on, Methuselah? You have not yet become the wolf, but the boar is there, and I saw it when you and Thorn wanted to chase after the goblins to kill them. They had already run away, so there was no point in killing them. That action, while understandable in the moment, it was out of violence and anger. You're right, Methuselah. I was just so upset over what I've heard has happened to Faith. Now that I have a moment to think, I, I don't think that she would want me to be driven by those feelings. Because it, it was love that brought me here, to bring her back. Exactly. And I've always admired that in you, that spirit of, of hope. And I don't want the things that we find here to change you and to erode the good things about you. Does this sometimes happen to those of us who are newer at adventuring, especially when it's something more personal to them? Oh, yes. I know Chrysantha, while we never encountered personal things at first, she was also very hot-headed, so when things didn't go her way, she was also very headstrong and assertive. You just need to take a second and reevaluate your goals. I understand what you're saying, Methuselah. I, I'm sorry if I've worried you in any way. I don't want to be somebody that my friends don't like. Oh, don't you worry. You're one of my closest friends. Well, thank you, Methuselah, and you're one of my closest friends, too, and I would say it takes a real friend to be able to discuss these things, so thank you. Oh, yes, and before I forget, you'll need this back, and I'm going to give you the signet ring that you gave to me to find if there was any clues of faith in the goblin village. And Seeker's going to put their signet ring back on. We will find faith soon, I hope. I hope so, too, and I'm... I'm glad that you brought this up with me before we found her, because I wouldn't want her to think that she had anything to do with my changing in a way that wasn't for the best. Oh yes, and I'm sure that Faith will be quite proud of you after braving all of this adversity and, you know, strive and this being your first adventure. You've been through quite a lot. I think so too, even though I have absolutely no basis for comparison aside from some really cool stories that I've heard, most of them from you. I know, and I do have basis for comparison. Me and Chrysantha, we did not face as much as you have so far, and you're handling it quite well. The watch continues afterwards, in a more quiet but pleasant moment. Then it's time for Seeker to sleep, as the tiredness just overcomes them. Erky then takes his place on the very opposite wall in front of Methuselah. I'm literally sitting there with Yorick clenched in my arms, staring at him unblinking. And Erky staring back, holding tightly his <laughs> holy symbol. The silence permeates in the environment, both afraid to start a conversation, waiting to see what the other one does. I'm gonna play a song of Luxair, which is a song that I learned from Feste. It was probably one of the first songs that he taught me on York. I would say it's very slow and melodic, as most songs are. There's a darkness, usual scratchiness in it. And it's mostly a song about traveling and remembrance and the importance of remembering the stories of others. It's a very good song. 
a song that some would say would even exceed what you were taught previously. The music actually calms Erky a little bit. As you see, he doesn't hold the medallion so tightly. He actually just has his hand placed on top of it as he just observes you. Instead of being as intensively as before, he lets his eyes wander towards the hurdy-gurdy. That's about a god from the north, isn't it? A Kalen god? Yes, actually. Most people don't know that. They assume elf and elven gods. That's what I was going to say. Don't you follow a different pantheon? The troop that I grew up with, we were an amalgamation of different sorts of people, and there was an amalgamation of different gods from different pantheons that we worshipped. Oh, you were the traveling troop of sorts? Yes, we were a performing crew, and somewhat adventuring crew known as Fool's Fortune. Our, our leader was a man named Feste. Interesting. You have traveled a lot then? Oh yes, quite far. Not everywhere yet, but I hope to one day. Good to know, I guess. Where other places have you been? Well, Chrysantha and I have been all across Sentry Soul. We've been to Destry, a little bit in Lestry, but not much. Haven't had the pleasure of going to Iome yet. So you must know those places really well. Just thinking out of the top of my head, if you lived all the way towards, what, the Draconic Empire, we're talking here about a few centuries of you wandering around. And what happened to your Chrysantha? Oh, my wife. I mean, was she alive when you were alive? Yes, she's alive. She's sick right now. It's been centuries. I don't know what you're talking about. That's what I'm saying, though. If what you're saying is true, and you lived in the Draconic Empire, it's been centuries. You must have hit your head very hard in that cage back there. I'll get Mortis to look at it in the morning. Okay. Is she an elf? She's a halfling, and quite a beautiful one at that. How long do you think it has been since the Draconic Empire? Well, I've already told Mortis and the others this, but it's it's been about, I don't know, at least a year. It has been 300 and some odd years. As I said, I think you might have spent a lot of time down here. and It must have changed your perception of how time works. We will get your head looked at by Mortis. He's not the best healer, but he is, you know, quite good. Look, I don't understand what you're trying to get here. Being I... an undead and all, I know you are unfazed by time. I don't know what you're trying to get out here. I'm just being truthful. It's been 300 or so years. You can be truthful, but not know what you're talking about. Um, where have you been all these years? I mean, I was kidnapped by a dragon, then I was freed, I went and found Chrysantha again, found she was sick, and then I left, and there, there was a couple months of that time, and that's all. A couple months of you traveling? Yes. Did you know about the Centaurian Empire that happened after the Draconic Empire? I... I don't know what you mean by that. The centaurs of the east started to dominate the land around the island in the very center of the, the Great Lake. Well, I know some centaurs that ran over a friend of mine. <laughs> Where did your travels go to? I don't know what you mean. 
I, I told you where I've been. So, at some point, between you leaving your wife who was sick, you must have died and just kept on going. It's not uncommon, it happens. That's how ghosts are made. They have unfinished business and they can't go to the beyond. No matter the path that Lyrta makes for them, they decide to go continue on trudging on their own. Well, I think I have a little bit more substance than a ghost. Thank you very much. Indeed, but maybe that's what it is. You must have stumbled upon something that made you, although you died, you were able to retain more than just your spirit. I don't know. I don't know how I died. I have no idea how it happened. I'm just here now, and that's all that matters. I guess. I don't know why I'm feeling sympathy for undead, but I should let you know. You are in denial. I don't know what you're talking about. That's exactly what I mean. And I still think that you hit your head a bit too hard. We'll talk to Mortis in the morning, or whatever morning is down here. He just stays quiet, completely flustered, so time passes. And finally, the rest of the team is able to have their long rest. All of you guys are awake, and now you have a decision to make. To proceed back into that little garden, or try to figure out how to get down on this chasm, and then scale all the way to the other end of this hallway that has been torn apart. I don't know about you guys, but I would quite like to explore here a bit more before heading back. I think that'd be a good idea. I'm kind of curious myself. And, uh, and Seeker's gonna stop there for a moment because they don't want anyone to make the curiosity killed the cat joke. They know it's on everyone's mind whenever Seeker talks about being curious. Well, I suppose we can proceed down, see we could find if we explore deeper. Thorn is in the little nook of Mortis's shell, but seems distracted. Yeah, let's go, guys. All right, how we go down here and he looks down onto the chasm. While we're preparing to descend, would you all mind if I took a moment to do something? No worries. We can maybe start figuring out how to get down while you do whatever you need. Sometimes nature calls. It's, it's not what I mean, Methuselah. <laughs> He's gonna start walking back towards where we fought the undead. He stands in the center of where they were, roughly, and he's gonna clutch his holy symbol. Oh, she, goddess of the dust, may you guide these unfortunate souls into the afterlife. Rest easy, for you are no longer slaves to some evil creature. Your bodies are now with the earth. And as you conclude your prayer, a certain glow of white emanates from your holy symbol, and with it, illuminates the area. All the bones that are being illuminated by the light of your goddess starts to slowly become clouds of dust that blows in a wind. Amors nods to himself and slowly starts making his way back to the group. Methuselah is standing with Erkian Seeker and has the rope in their hands. Well, we can use this to do something. Anyone got any other plans? Uh, can we tie it somewhere? Uh, well, I don't really see anything, Erky, unless, uh, unless you do. We're gonna have either to scale it down, or people are gonna have to hold on to the rope while others scale down, and then whoever's the strongest scales down. So Mortis. Everybody looks at Mortis. <laughs> Sorry about that, my friends. I just needed to uh, say a prayer for the dead who were controlled by 
this undead force. Ah, what are we doing? We're trying to figure out how to scale this. Hmm. Well, I heard my name. How can I be of assistance? Well, we're trying to figure out how we're going to actually go down. We can have you hold on to the rope while we go down ourselves. And then because you're the strongest, you would go next. But without the rope. Well, I suppose that's doable. Not the riskiest maneuver we've attempted. I, I'm going to need some assistance in this matter. Oh yeah, we'll make sure that you get help, Methuselah. Everybody who goes through the rope, you guys can do a small athletic check with advantage. Methuselah, do you want to climb onto my back? Uh, I hope I'm not too heavy. Oh, probably not. I, I'm, I've carried around youngins at the temple before, and Methuselah, you're kind of tiny. No offense. I guess you're right there. Why don't we just haul him down? We tie the rope on your waist, and then we hold onto the rope while you're literally just lowered down. I suppose we could do that. I don't have any preference, just as long as I get down safe. Oh, don't worry, my friend. I'll make sure that you get down unharmed. You guys tie a rope to Methuselah's waist, and if Mortis is doing by himself, it's going to be an athletics job. If anybody is going to help Mortis with this check, it's not only going to give advantage, but the more people, the lower the DC will be. Seeker will definitely help. Thorn will help as best as he can. And so will Urk. Go ahead ahead with an athletics check. That is 17. It's not even a challenge. You think just by yourself you could have done this task. But it's good that people are helping you with this. How does Methuselah feel being lowered down on this? I would say they feel incredibly awkward and they're just playing on Yorick just to be like, yes, we're doing this. This is happening. It takes only two minutes as you finally hit ground safely and unharmed. Thank you, my friends. While you're down there, does it seem safe? Hard rock. Rough rock. Looks quite stable down here. Well, that's good to know. He's gonna turn to everyone. Alright, who's next? Thorn will scurry over and grab the rope and start sliding down like he's on a fireman pole. Do an acrobatics check for me. I got a 19. Easy. In a matter of seconds, you're down there beside Mifuzli. I'm next. Seeker wants to be fancy about it. As you do a jump and you let the rope just guide you down, please do an acrobatics check. I'm gonna say Methuselah's playing a tune as you guys are doing these sick moves on the rope. 21. Seconds again and you're there beside Methuselah and Thorn. Erky then slowly goes, I'm just gonna go down. I change my tune as he goes down normally. Kinda stops halfway just to look at you. <sighs> and he continues down. I'd say that was a 5 out of 10. You didn't really have that dramatic flair. I'm not trying to impress anyone. You should do it for yourself. Mortis, you're good to go. So how exactly am I meant to do this? With as much flair as you can. Well, you can just climb down. If you're boring. Mortis is going to look down. All right, just uh, in case I lose my footing, everyone clear your path. I, I have a tendency to retreat into my shell if I'm nervous. So, you know. All right, Mortis is going to begin his descent. 
Do an athletics check for me. That's a filthy 20. It's rough rock, but it's not like it doesn't have its natural areas that you can easily put your foot on top or hold on to. Yeah, you're easily able to climb down. As he comes down, I'm going to play a nice tune. Not as like depressing as Erky. I'm more understanding that Mortis is an old man. As you guys are now inside of this chasm, it's a narrow enough for just one person to walk in a single line. And then diagonally, it opens up into a bigger chasm. There is the path that leads further down, and then another one that slowly inclines to another area. Before you guys can figure out what to do or even start walking, a shatter of glass echoes through the chasm. And you guys are certain that this echo came from the furthest down in this chasm. So shall we uh, follow the noise or avoid it? Let's investigate. Maybe someone's there. Everyone stay on your guard. Seeker's gonna pull out their rapier. Could we do a stealth? Yes, you can. Before we start descending, I'm gonna play a quick song to give you bardic inspiration. Excellent. From this side of the table, Luai, please give me the result. I got an 11. I got a 13. I got an 18. Thorn got a 23. Successfully, all of you guys are able to gingerly walk down towards the sound when finally this rift gives way for a fixture wide enough for you guys to proceed. There seems to be some sort of rough cavernous chamber. You guys peek just a little bit in it. Those who have night vision, you guys are able to see movement within the chamber. Who would be the most daring? Thorn is the one who crawls forward because he's very quiet and also has negative one wisdom. Thorn starts to approach very gingerly while the rest of the group stays closer to the fixture. As this place opens up into this cavernous area, the smell of decay and garbage becomes much stronger now that you're further into this area. Then, something passes fast from one pile of garbage and decompose the bodies into another, climbs up and starts tossing all this garbage and body parts until he grabs a piece of what seems to be a chest and starts to just dig into it with its semi-canine, semi-humanoid features, you see something that clearly is not human. The hairs on Thorn's neck stand up and he slowly backs away. When he turns back to the party, he has this face of disgust and horror, and he wordlessly shakes his head and does a hand gesture. Let's back up and not deal with this. I assume we go up. All right, you guys go towards the opening of the hallway, the one that you guys have not yet explored that was cut off because of this chasm. The path snakes down further into the tunnel. Illuminated by your torch, you see what seems to be this very big stone set of doors that is ornate to resemble what seems to be a huge dragon with horns that curls up and two smaller horns that close to the side to be standing in regal pose while smaller dragons are a flight at the back. Can I do a roll to remember this place? 
Uh, sure, roll a intelligence check, please. 19. You remember being forced to come here, even as a slave-slash-servant of the Draconic Empire? There were moments where the Dark Warden was indisposed to attend certain ceremonies. So, whenever those moments took place, Alaganthorn, as the head of the Dragon Priests, he would actually bring people here and host the ceremony himself. Well, we're headed in the right direction, I can tell you that. Are you all right, Methuselah? Yes, uh, I think I'm, I'm well, well enough. Good, good. Just, uh, normally when we encounter any sort of visual image of a dragon, you get a bit strange. If you want us to take a break so that you can get, like, your bearings, Methuselah, we can we can take it slow for you, okay? I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. Well, thank you, friend. I'm quite alright right now. It's sort of lifted a little bit off my shoulders to know where we are and that the Dark Warden isn't here anymore, so we have free reign of this place. Well, it's a relief that you're feeling more content. Uh, do let us know if you need any sort of assistance or, as Seeker suggested, a break. Yes, of course. Thorn goes up to the door and he wants to see if he can give it a push or a pull or whatever to try to open it. There are these heavy dark metal handles that are almost like those massive rings. You try to pull it and it's stuck solid. This door must be very heavy. He'll look towards everyone else and he'll go, This door is very heavy. Uh, Thorn will need much help to open it. Perhaps before we do that, we should take a listen and see if there's anyone on the other side. And Seeker, take a listen at the door. Whoever wants to do that, please roll a perception check. I'm gonna also do it. Thorn will as well. I got a 23. Thorn got a 6. Ha, I got a 7. The three of you placed your heads against the stone. Meanwhile, Seeker and Thorn are completely unsure if they actually even heard anything. Methuselah, on the other hand, is quite confident that on the other side, no sound is emanates. Seems we're all good. Yeah, I didn't hear anything, so I, th I think so. I could hear the stone speaking, or was the voices? Thorn's gonna look over to where Mortis is and go, Well, well, you have the biggest muscles. You can help open the door. I'll certainly give it a good try. He's gonna walk over and try to shove that door open. It's a pull, I think. Fine. It'll pull that door open. <laughs> Finally, a trap we can all get behind. <laughs> Go out ahead and do for me a strength check. That's a 23. You do the first pull, and you can feel the weight of the door. It tries to resist you, but your sheer strength and determination says, No, sir. And you bring in closer. You hear the scraping of the heavy door against the ground with sheer strength. You're able to pull the door with one, two, and then a third strong pull. You're able to get the door just open wide enough for people to pass through comfortably. <sighs> that one was tougher than most. Inside, you guys get to see completely unexpected scenery. Methuselah especially, you have seen this place ornate with different decorational pieces, jeweled goblets, crafted metalwork of chandeliers and candle holders, all with different shapes and colors that vibrated against the light of torches with the powerful, strong, and very well-carved 
depiction of the Dark Warden in the end, with pews, it's a relatively big room. When you guys enter, that is not what you see. What you see instead are piles and piles and piles of dusted, covered with spiderwebs, boxes and containers and barrels, almost as if people had just shoved a bunch of stuff into this room and closed it off. Air within is stale and musky and the altar is covered by a tarp. You just see the shape of the Dark Warden. So what do you guys do? You've reached the end of this episode of The Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, and be sure to catch the next installment of The Sunless Citadel every Thursday at 12 p.m. EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support that goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts, and if you'd like to support us, well, you can head on over to our Patreon to join the conversation, for you sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Gordon from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast. The World of Nosomundus was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern.